Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week we're focusing on a topic that is no doubt um, of interest to everybody who's currently working from home. And that is the topic of video conferencing. And it is the joy of video conferencing that is enabling us to bring you this show on Callan FM at the moment. But I'm also using it for lots of other work meetings as well. I'm sure you are, aren't you, Heather? Yeah, absolutely. Basically, everything that I'm doing uh, is is being done via Zoom or Teams. And it was about this time last year that um, one of the places that I work for were encouraging their employees. So it's a global company and they were encouraging their employees to cut down on their business travel. And so they were encouraging more video conferencing. Also, there's lots of um, evidence of webinars that were in place and online events, but it didn't really take hold until we get this whole pandemic issue going on. And now you can't move. My diary's full of online meetings and um, webinars and online streaming and all sorts of things going on. Just before recording this show, I was in a Zoom call with with an organisation that had a number of different speakers as well. So it's all over the place at the moment. So we thought it might be a good time to just have a little dive in and, and look and see what's around and some of the issues with video conferencing. How are you finding video conferencing yourself, Heather? I find it okay because I'm naturally quite gregarious and quite, you know, I really value that interaction, you know, even though the quality might not always be that great, the ability to see people is really important to me. Um, the olden days when you used to just do, do you remember those those telephones you used to have in the middle of the boardroom that looked like something out of Star Wars, looked like a, yeah. a spaceship? Yeah. You know, and, and you just did a video, um, a, um, an audio meeting across different platforms. And I used, to, I used to think, crikey, that's just like talking to the middle of the table. So I do really like the visual element. Um, but it, it is very tiring. It is very tiring. And a lot of people that I'm working with, from a coaching point of view, they are cramming their diaries with back to back meetings. And that's not it's not good. It's not good for your eyes. It's not good for your head. You know, and we've touched on this in the past, but um, but I think the wider picture is about some of the security issues that people have have flagged up. Some of the so teams, for example, not every I I don't have teams, but I have clients who do. So I always get a little bit confused as to who's inviting who to the meeting <laughs> and where the link's going to be. <laughs> have I already got it? Have I already sent it? <laughs> but yeah, but but I think security has really has 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 been from a GDPR point of view um, and a security point of view been uh, at the forefront of people's minds you know you start off this is great and then what what are the potential hazards which do you use the most Tracy? Well there's one workplace that I'm involved with and they predominantly use Microsoft products and so Teams is the number one it's replaced Skype actually as, as video conferencing. So Teams very firmly embedded in there. Uh, another organization has just started to use Zoom meetings and uh, a number of the people involved in the meetings did express some concerns about security. So they, they had to do quite a bit of research on how to make sure that that was more secure. On the, there are ways around it now. I think Zoom have addressed some of those issues. 
That said, uh, the organisation that I work for that uses Teams has banned the use of Zoom on corporate hardware mm. because of the security concerns. But I've used GoToMeeting, I've used WebEx, I've used uh, Google Hangouts. However, I was really intrigued to see that a, a n- number of lists with some other pieces of software that I'd never heard of. Is, okay. is there anything that I've um, not mentioned that you use already, Heather? Um, no, well, no, not really, because I am fairly new to, to all of this because I much prefer face-to-face and the nature of what our, the work that I do means face-to-face. But things like Google Hangouts, Google Meet, um, I know, you know, I know there are quite a few people who use those, but uh, we, and, and Skype, as you say, is kind of become a little bit old hat. That used to be the way, really. Yeah. So the, the list that I found, there's one um, in uh, the Tech Radar website, um, best video conferencing software in 2020. And it's got a list of paid for software and a, best, a list of free software. Let's see if you've heard of these ones, Heather. Click Meeting. That's new to me. Microsoft right. Teams, GoToMeeting, yes. Google Meet, mm-hmm. CyberLink mm-hmm. U Meeting, Big Blue Button, Blue Jeans oh. Meetings, Life Size, and Ring Central Video. So quite a few of those are new to me. Then in the free video conferencing software, there's just six on the list here Zoom, Skype, 8x8 video meetings. Cisco WebEx, which I have used, Google Hangouts, yeah, and Free Conference. So I did wonder whether my lack of knowledge of those was because that list is generated in the US. So I did find a UK list. There are still some that I'd never heard of. So PCMag website has got some very comprehensive reviews and it's worth taking a look at this. We'll put the link in our blog and our website, which is the business.community. And they go through Ring Central meetings, Zoho meetings, Microsoft Teams, GoToMeeting, ClickMeeting, Intermedia AnyMeeting, Cisco WebEx, BlueJeans, Join.me, and Zoom. And they give a, a full review of all of these things. So one of the things I liked about this article was it, it says the important things that you need to consider. And top of the list was ease of use. And I've got a perfect example of that. Last week, I was invited to join a, a public webinar. It was an information session. It was a good one. Um, obviously ending in a sales pitch for the service that um, the lady was offering but it was a good quality webinar however it took me a long time to get into the webinar I followed the link in the email and I thought right this isn't working it was asking me to re-register but then the the button wasn't working so I, I went on to the group on Facebook that had been created and The comments on Facebook were showing that people were giving up with this. They were actually abandoning. Uh, But the hosts seemed oblivious. They recognised that people were failing to get in, but just kept repeating the same instructions, but those instructions weren't working. So no matter how easy it seems to you, if the people you're going to engage with can't find it easy and can't navigate it, it's going to cause all sorts of problems. She was trying to sell something there. So obviously she missed out on some potential customers. But even if you, it's just a meeting in the workplace, it's going to cause delays and frustrations. So I think you really need to think about how easy it is for everybody to use. What else do you think is important, Heather? 
Well, I think, I mean, using that example, I think, you know, my first advice would be that, um, and maybe they did and, and, and it was okay, but you, you do a dummy run. You know, if you're, if, if you're going to host, if I were going to host a webinar and there are lots of platforms, you know, upon which I could do it, um, I would run a dummy one with a couple of, a couple of mates and say, look, can we just check, you know, what can you see? You know, the first time I did a presentation via Zoom, which involved me sharing a screen, I made sure that I knew how to share a screen and that, the, you know, I did a practice run with somebody, right? What can you see? Can you see me? What bits of my screen can you see? So I think we, just like you prepare a meeting room, you need to make sure that you've prepared, you know, what, what you're actually yeah. trying to do. Um, and I think also that's why Zoom is, is, is particularly handy is that you don't have to have a Zoom account. You can just download the app and you can use that. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people, perhaps from a, a personal point of view, perhaps more than a professional point of view, that's good because they don't want to be signing up to something. They just, you know, they just want to be able to access it. But I think it, I think the, the big thing is there's been a lot of um, changes of information about how much time you get if you use the free version. Uh, what you don't want. I attended a webinar the other day with somebody who didn't have um, a paid for version. So, uh, and Zoom have, I think have now waived the 40 minute cap, but he didn't know that. So we were on like 37 minutes and he was like, well, I think we might be getting cut off. Well, you know, that's not great. You need to know how long you've got. Um, and at 12 pound a month, you know, and you pay by month, you don't have to sign up for a year. I think if I were running a webinar where I was going to try and sell something, I'd invest the 12 quid just to be sure that I could keep everybody online. So it's little things like that. It's the prep, isn't it? It's making sure you know what you're dealing with. I think as well, if, if you are planning to use it to showcase a product or a service that you do, it really is worth considering paying for any upgrades to get rid of advertising or to give you yourself better um, admin features as a host. It, it might be that the sharing facilities are different or the ability to mute or unmute participants or to take questions, all of those sorts of things you need to look into. And yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if you're going to use it to sell something, I think it's worth a, a small investment to get the right software to do that. Other things... I also think that oh, oh, this is right here we are video conferencing right that's one of the pitfalls is that you don't have that ability to notice when somebody else is going to speak just because of that slight delay so you do tend to trip over one another and that can get a bit yeah because then you go no you no 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 you no no you know it's a bit like holding a door open so what were you going to say, Tracy? Well, actually, I, I will add now that I would ordinarily edit that sort of bit out of this, these um, pre-recorded shows, but I might just leave it in this time. <laughs> one of the things I was going to say was um, one of the features that you also need to look at is the number of participants that are allowed on a call and the number of simultaneous video feeds that you can have at one time because that can really make a difference. Some of the free versions only allow a, a handful of people onto the call. So you, you need to think carefully about which software you use and which is suitable for your purposes. If it's just a one-to-one -one conversation like we're having now, then a lot of the platforms will be appropriate for you. Yeah, I agree. But, but I, I think one of the things that is becoming apparent and 
and Zoom, their take up grew exponentially. They were enjoying a massive surge in people up for Zoom in the early part of this year. And then in March, it just went bonkers uh, because, because of the current situation. But I think the thing to remember is that day one of lockdown, we were just glad to be able to communicate with one another. But as we go through further through this process and as we, you know, we still have to limit social contact, people are going to get smarter at using this. People are going to become more professional at using it. And we need to make sure that we're up to speed with the latest thinking, I think. Otherwise, it will potentially reflect badly on on the organisation. Can I share some uh, funny stories um, that I've researched today? So uh, most of these you've probably heard of already, but they made me smile. There's the boss who turned herself into a potato on Microsoft Teams. Have you seen that? I've heard about this. What happens? She used a filter and she looked like she was a potato uh, planted underground but she couldn't work out to switch it off so she spent the entire meeting as a potato <laughs> underground <laughs> and obviously Brilliant. her colleagues took a screenshot of course uh, oh, there's another one which is excruciating there's a lady on a, a zoom call and there was a whole gallery of um, people's faces you could see so the, it was quite a big meeting she clearly forgot that she was on camera and she was seen getting up and walking. She walked to the bathroom, placed her phone down, pulled the trousers down and went for a wee. And that was all on camera, which is excruciatingly embarrassing. Right. Yep. (laughs) Um, And then there was a tweet that uh, that did make me laugh. Um, A gentleman called Barry Malone, just tweeted at the end of March, a lot of blood is running cold due to this tweet. He'd retweeted um, a tweet which says, is there an end to Zoom? And it just says, if you're having a committee meeting via Zoom and you use the chat function to privately write to someone else, your colleagues won't see it at real time, but it shows up when the chat is downloaded and put into the minutes folder. And, and I read the tweet at the time and the number of comments afterwards were people just, oh, my God. Oh, dear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another tweet I read was the subject of every work from home Zoom meeting is actually, oh, so that's where you live. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously in Wales, we had the terrible faux pas with one of the um, the Welsh ministers forgetting to put his microphone off before bad mouthing a colleague, which is... Uh, that's real etiquette failure there uh, and caused some embarrassment to everybody involved, I believe. I was at a Zoom meeting a, a, a while ago and there was an individual who was clearly bored by the whole meeting. And in a meeting room, that might get dissipated amongst the other people who, you know, who've been quite enthusiastic. Uh, but to just see this person on the screen you know, who were totally disconnected with the whole process. It's it's there for everybody to see. What was he doing? Um, no, he, just looking thoroughly bored, looking around. You could almost feel him sighing, you know, and, and it's kind of like, yeah, let's move on. You have to be really careful because when you've removed that ability even to just um, exchange a glance with somebody across the room, you know, that might be enough to get you through the I wish he'd shut up kind of feeling 
if you can't do that, then it's probably going to be playing on your face and on your body language. So I think my message would be, remember, we can see you. <laughs> <laughs> and the pile of washing behind you in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, I think it's been an absolute boom. And without it, a lot of businesses, you know, even more businesses would have struggled than, than we've already um, than we're already aware of but I don't think it's something that's going away anytime soon and I would hope that we can harness the positives of it and perhaps you know prevent that whole travel down to London for a meeting that could have been a zoom meeting when you could perhaps you know have your initial meeting but follow-up or interim meetings could be held via some sort of video conferencing platform um, so I'm hoping that we take the good bits and use them to our advantage as we go forward you're listening to the business community on Calon FM. And in the other news section, I'm going to start off with two stories about Elon Musk. So last Friday, he tweeted to say that he was intending to sell off his $100 million real estate portfolio. Uh, he plans to sell all, almost all physical possessions and own no house. Now, that led me on to a link to an article which showcased seven of the homes that he owns and talk, talked about them, showed some pictures and some comments from neighbours. Really interesting. Uh, we'll put the link on our website. But apparently he's bought a lot of mansions in the Bel Air neighborhood of um, Los Angeles, um, all in the same street. Okay. And then there's, there's one that he used as a private school for his children. Uh, there's other ones just described as being abandoned and sort of falling into rack and ruin. So little bit bizarre but if you want a little peek behind the curtain of famous people then it's worth having a look at this article so um there's going to be quite a, a few houses for sale in bel-air in los angeles so if you've got a a few million quid going spare heather maybe you want to look there and buy one of elon musk's rejects then this monday uh, he announced the birth of um, his child with musician Grimes. They've got their first child together. And uh, he said on Twitter, mom and baby, all good. Now, that just led me to think, well, where are they going to live if you're selling all these houses? Um, Elon Musk is uh, famously known to have said that he sleeps on the floor in his office when times are busy at work. Presumably, Grimes and their new baby are not going to be sleeping on the office floor. <laughs> i've got a few more things heather but uh in the meantime what have you got well one that just came out today that caught my eye on the uh on the bbc um website uh relating to marks and spencer uh you know shopping and and shopping delivery has very much been in the press recently uh, with people who are shielded or who are self-isolating struggling to get uh, delivery spots and lots of the independent stores really coming into their own uh, and some of the nationals to make sure that you know people are able to get access to food but Marks and Spencer's um, is going to start in 142 of their outlets across the country going to start doing 30-minute deliveries so you can place an order and it will be delivered within 30 minutes via a kind of delivery. Oh, in fact, it is actually delivery. It's not a kind of delivery. Um, it's going to cost £4.99 
and um, they've launched this in response to um, Sainsbury's introducing a one-hour delivery service called Chop Chop, where you can order a top-up shop of up to 20 items, and it also charges a 4.99 delivery fee. Now, I'm pretty sure that here in Wrexham um, and uh, Oswestry, you know, we're probably going to be low on the list of the 142 stores, but I think that it's a classic example of a company seeing an opportunity from this situation and deciding to to implement something that may be successful may be a short-term thing um but it certainly they see it as putting themselves um up against ocado who they actually wanted to go into partnership with um and whether that deal will actually still happen we don't really know but i just thought it was an interesting one that a big organisation like M&S is following suit with something that lots of very small independent stores have been doing out in the, you know, out in small communities, never mind in, um, in big built up areas. So one to watch, I guess. What else have you got, Tracy? So following on from the last couple of weeks where we've been looking at the ONS report on the social impacts of coronavirus, I just thought I'd give you a, a quick update. And levels of concern about the virus have continued to fall. So we're into week three of the reports now. And 81.7% of adults in the latest report have said they're very worried or somewhat worried about um, the effect that the virus is having on their life now. And that's just marginally down from the 84.8% last week. So just a, a slight decrease in there. Um, but there was a section about concerns about work which i thought i would mention um 39.2 percent of adults said that the virus was affecting their work most common reasons because of homeworking and the find maybe finding it dif difficult to work from home and around one in six of these adults also said they were concerned about their health and safety at work and of 59.7% of key workers who said their work was being impacted, concerns about health and safety was the most common reason for, for their worries. And uh, nearly four in 10 say they're concerned about their health and safety. So um, they're also concerned about increased working hours as well. So that that's certainly, I think as lockdown is, um, potentially going to be relaxed companies are starting to look at ways to bring people back into the workplace and i think that is actually going to cause some anxiety in the workforce they, they've heard all the stories they've been encouraged to stay at home most people have done that effectively change their working practices i think employers need to be mindful of the fact that it might be quite difficult for some people to to actually then come back out of the home and then go into a workplace so they've got to feel very comfortable you know social distancing probably is still going to be a, a thing and so getting them into the workplace you're going to have to go through some rigorous risk assessments to make sure that it's safe but also looking after the mental health of your staff when they come back because they might struggle with that whole move I think it's surprising how quickly we could become um, not almost institutionalised. You know, you, you, you can't just keep feeding out to people, don't go out, don't go out, don't go 
about it's dangerous you know and then say it's okay you can all go out it, you know, because we will have we've learned we've we've been given that fear and we've got to unlearn that fear and we've got to trust the environment so yeah. I, yeah i think it's i think it's a biggie and i think the health and safety thing um that you know that has to be the biggie if you want to reintroduce people into the workplace yeah without a doubt yeah yeah and I've got one other story. Um, we've been talking about Google and Zoom a little bit, and we mentioned it last week, and we'd mentioned it previously. A uh, story out this week says that Google did once consider buying Zoom because several thousand of their own employees preferred it to Google's own product. So they did actually consider it. Apparently, the discussions never got more serious than that. And as we've mentioned on the show, Google and Zoom are now rivals to the extent that Google recently banned the use of Zoom mm -hmm. on employees' computers. So I just thought it was worth mentioning mm -hmm. as a follow-on to the story that we've been following that they did at one point consider buying the company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I just wanted to flag up, well, a couple of things, actually, going back to the coronavirus and going back to financial support that is available. And I know that many of our listeners will already have, have determined whether or not they qualify to claim um, support from the government and hopefully have got their claims in. But there were two things that caught my eye, particularly in my current situation so there is actually now a self-employment grant checker so you can actually go online and check with your unique tax reference whether you qualify to apply for that that support and so have you, you done that, done that i haven't only i only um looked at it yesterday it only sort of came across my desk yesterday and i thought right i need to do that but i will be doing that oh good um, it'd be good to know whether you found it easy to use yeah, exactly. Um, one of the reasons I haven't done it is because my unique tax reference um, number is locked up safely in my office, which is <laughs> not where I'm working from home. So um, so I need to access that piece of information, but I will be doing that. And then another thing that, again, many people probably will already be aware of, but for those who aren't, there has been announced um, just on the, the start of this month, a top up grant fund so a discretionary fund has been set up to accommodate certain small businesses previously outside the scope of the business grant fund scheme and this um, is particularly of interest to um, businesses who operate in shared spaces that's me uh, regular market traders small charity proper properties that would meet the criteria for small business rates relief and bed and breakfasts that pay council tax rather than business rates so um, a business can be uh, has to be small. It has to be under 50 employees. And there are three levels of grants. The maximum will be 25,000 and um, there will be grants of 10,000 pounds, which your local authority will have the discretion to award. Um, you basically have to prove that you have suffered financially as a result of the coronavirus um, pandemic. But I think that if, if, if you haven't already looked at that, I was talking to somebody this morning who operates a business and part of that business is that they have a stall within a market, um, like a bar within a market. Um, they, they would come under this. So certainly worth exploring if you seem to be drawing a blank on other grants and other financial support. Put details of that as, as well as the things that Tracy has talked about on our website, which is thebusiness.community.
So in our discovery section this week, we're actually going to spend a little bit of time looking at learning. And one of the things that um, you'll be aware of that if you have got staff who are furloughed and um, the ability to carry out training is permitted while they are furloughed. And so it's an ideal time if they haven't already done so to start looking at um, developing their skills in, in a whole range of different areas. And Tracy highlighted a couple of um, free resources that are really comprehensive um, where the government is pushing out information through um, an organisation called OpenLearn and um, a, an organisation called FutureLearn. So we thought we'd have a little bit of a nosy round and see what's on offer. OpenLearn is from the Open University, which many of you will have heard of. Um, and as I say, there are lots of work Based skills there are lots of health and well-being skills money and finances so so even if it's um, about uh, reassuring your staff for you know for concerns that they might have outside of work it's a great opportunity for them to do something productive some of them have accreditation some of them have um, certification really really useful so I'm firstly I'm really grateful that you flagged them up Tracy Having looked at them, I think, crikey, you know, I should have found this weeks ago and just, you know, worked my way through various things because I think it's it, it's a really valuable resource and, and there's some great stuff. Uh, how did you find it and what's your particular interest, Tracy? I was uh, tasked with the job of finding some training for some furloughed staff to do. And obviously I was looking for online stuff. Um uh, it was a friend that uh, signposted me to the National Careers website. So it's a, okay. a, a government website. And the, the particular page I was signposted to was, was the Skills Toolkit. And here they've got a list of introductory, intermediate and advanced courses that they've organised to be free. These online courses um, to help the um, workforce to improve digital and numeracy skills. And there are other things in there as well. But just to give you an idea, the, the two that I flagged up for you were the ones that I was particularly interested in for the workplace I was talking about. So mm -hmm. on Future Learn, I signed up for presenting your work with impact. And mm -hmm. it's right right up my street. It's um it's pretty much what we've talked about before with presentation skills is about how to craft a story and how to make your slideshow interesting and engaging. That is an excellent course. I'm part way through it. Like you, I was thinking, oh, I wish I'd done this weeks ago. Yeah. Imagine yeah. how many I could have got done. In reality, I probably wouldn't have done. So I have to let myself off there. Um, and the other one that I um, picked up was from Open Learn, which is uh, Open University. We've looked at their courses before. They've got an awful lot of free ones, but the one that came through the Skills Toolkit website was Everyday Maths, and so I, I signed up for that one. And it's it's ideal for refreshing your math skills for just everyday life or your job, um, using a calculator, using fractions and decimals and percentages measuring um, distances and weights using tables diagrams and charts so the sort of things that could actually be potentially quite useful for people in the workplace not necessarily all the time and i'm not here talking about somebody who's a data analyst or a, or an accountant they, they should be able to do these things 
the general operator in a factory who might occasionally need to use some of these mathematical skills, read tables and charts and diagrams, this is perfect. It's actually quite a meaty course. Um, the approximate study time on the maths course is 48 hours, which is right. you know, quite a, a big course for a free course. Having looked at it, I thought even for, for myself, I don't look at basic maths very often. You know, you sort of move beyond some of those things and it's actually really quite yeah. good to refresh yourself on basic things. I mean, for the life of me, I couldn't remember how to do long division. So it was really, really useful. Okay. Help me with the kids. Yeah, well, to be honest. <laughs> if you so don't I use it. recommend those two. Uh, but also other things, um, thriving in the digital workplace. So these are the ones listed on the skills um, website. Um, there's Make It Click, uh, which is all about using social media skills in the workplace and at home. Um, learn for everyday life so it's just a general introductory course on video calling and online fraud and presenting yourself online improving your cv so quite quite a broad um, spectrum in that one creating a professional online presence how to create great online content um, digital skills and social media for business Onto things that are a bit more advanced, fundamentals of digital marketing, learning, learning to code for data analysis using Python, programming essentials in Python, and cybersecurity. And these are just the ones listed on the, the government website, the Skills Toolkit website. And these are all completely free for your workforce or for you as an individual if your workforce force isn't signposting you to them. I think one other thing that uh, is really important to remember is that for most of us, it's a long time since we had to study. It's a long time since we had to learn anything. And actually remembering how to learn can be really difficult. Um, and just finding that, you know, applying your mind to something. So if nothing else, it's a great way of just getting your staff back into, or yourself, back into the mindset of learning. And how you learn something, how you process information, how you like to learn it, and then how you regurgitate what you've learned and demonstrate that you've moved on. Uh, and I think that that in itself um, is just a really valuable, useful thing. I um, I looked at the presenting your work with impact um, course as I would, wouldn't I? Because it's a course that I offer. But you know, that's looking at it's a two-week course and it's two hours a week. Um, you know, there are various time commitments. As you say, some are, some are, I don't know, there was one, where are we? Um, 29 weeks. Um, you know, it, it can be as much or as little as you want, really. Um, one that caught my eye, consumer behaviour and psychology, two weeks, three hours per week. Learn about the origin origins of consumer psychology and examine how consumer behaviour can be influenced by a range of factors. Power of brands, six weeks, three hours a week. You know, I could just go on. I'm really glad that you flagged it up. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great online resource. The, the risk for some people, um, particularly me and you, Heather, is that we overface ourselves with things that we feel we need to learn. Uh, I think I was looking at this from a point of view as what can I signpost the furloughed employees to 
and, and I think it's really worth bearing in mind what is their home situation. So if you are asking them to learn from home, is it realistic? Um, mm. And it might be that, you know, if it is something like everyday maths, they might actually be more appreciative of being able to do it in their own home, you know, in private, yeah. not in a classroom yeah. situation, because it can sometimes be embarrassing for people to, to not be able to do basic maths. But it's a long time since most people have done basic maths at school. Yeah. And and think about, you know, not necessarily giving the, the furloughed staff a 29-week course to do unless they're really keen to continue it after they've been furloughed. You know, what are the bite-sized things that can benefit both them and the company and, and make them feel as if, you know, they're still engaging and still using their brain power? Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. This is the business community on Calon FM and our profile this week is of a lady called Mary Barra. She's an American born in 1961. Uh, she's 58 at the moment and she is the chair and CEO of General Motors. Um, she's also on the board of Disney, I note. Um, she was born in Michigan, but her ancestors are from Finland and can apparently speak a little Finnish. Uh, Finnish is one of the most difficult languages in the world, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> but maybe if your ancestors are from Finland, maybe that just makes it a little bit easier to learn. And uh, I think she's really interesting um, profile because she stayed in the one company for the what seems like the whole of her career. I've not seen, Heather, that she's switched companies. She's just started at General Motors age 18 to pay for a college tuition. She did a degree at the General Motors Institute and um, she did a degree in electrical engineering and then went on to do an MBA at Stanford. And she's worked her way up to become CEO and she became CEO in 2014, at which point she was the first female head of any car manufacturers. Not only did that was that the case, but during her first year at General Motors, um, they had a massive safety recall problem um, and they had to recall over 30 million cars. So I think um, she was in at the deep end. She was called before the Senate to testify about the recalls and the deaths attributed to a faulty ignition switch. So I think, she, you know, she was <laughs> it was it was a, a baptism of fire, I think, in, in that position. I don't know. I don't know about the Disney thing. I don't really know how you come to be, how you go from General Motors to the Disney Foundation. I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit of a weird link for me. Yeah. So she, she's apparently the twelfth person elected to the board of Disney, and this happened in August 2017, and only the fourth woman to be elected oh. to the board of Disney. I don't know what she does in Disney. Most of the articles I've read about her are based on her career with General Motors. Right. Okay. One thing that I found um, came across was her in uh, there was this uh, Wall Street Journal do this thing which I hadn't come across before, and it's um, in where, what do they actually call it? Make sure I give you the correct name. It is in the elevator with gm ceo mary barra and it's a lady it's quite it's quite a neat little thing they basically get in a lift and she asks a few sort of quite punchy questions one of the questions she asks is you know where's the hover car 
um, will Mary be driving a dri driverless cars when they come in? Um, to which she responded that sometimes she will and sometimes she won't because sometimes she'll want to drive. She talks a bit about her aims to in, in, encourage more women into STEM and into engineering in general. Just literally a snapshot, but you see the individual with a touch of humour um, just answering some fairly general questions, but you start to get a flavour of who she might be. Ah, well, you talk about her, her liking to drive a car and also driverless technology. One of the articles I read talked about the fact that she helped to move General Motors' focus towards automated driverless car technology. And when they developed, um, I think it's a Chevy Bolt in 2017, they actually beat Tesla creating the first car that cost less than $40,000, but with a range of 200 miles. Uh, so th that was one of the things. But also, she did list her favourite cars, and these are definitely not automated driverless cars, a Chevrolet Camaro and a Pontiac Firebird. I oh, don't know what okay. they are, but they sound like they're cars you have to drive. Yeah, the Firebird sounds like it goes quite fast as well to me. I also learned something. Um, I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Uh, I read that she, oh no, when, in 2017, she became the highest paid executive of the Detroit Three. At that time, she earned $21.96 million in total remuneration. The rabbit hole I went down was the Detroit Three. It sounds like a band or something, doesn't it? Yeah, like the Detroit Spinners or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Apparently, I, I went and had a little Google, and the Detroit Three are the three big motor companies based in Detroit, which are mm -hmm. General Motors, the Ford Motor Company, and Fiat Chrysler Automobiles US. Then I found out that a lot of countries have a big three. So can you name France's big three? Uh, Citroën, Peugeot, something else. Renault. Oh, Renault, okay. Germany? Okay. BMW, Audi, something else? Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz and BMW. Oh, okay, oh, okay. What about Japan? Um, Kia? Oh, no, that's South Korea. Oh, is it? Um, yeah. Oh, Japan. Oh, um, is it Hyundai? That's South Korea too. Well done. Oh, right. Okay. I'm better on my South Korea than I am Japan. I don't know. Go on. Tell me so Japan. Japan, Toyota, Nissan and Honda. Okay. okay. And uh, South Korea have also got uh, General Motors Korea. Okay. That's just a little aside there. I, yeah. I, was, I just thought that was quite interesting. Uh, you, know, you mentioned about the recall uh, in 2014, just after she became CEO. Awful thing to happen. You you um, step up into this position of authority and you get a crisis land in your lap. Um, but she's quoted in an article in Business Insider magazine from 2018 as saying that following that crisis, she revamped the company's culture and management processes. And she needed to do that to win back trust from the consumers. She also said it taught her to be impatient about solving problems and to encourage employees and managers to be transparent with each other. 
and apparently she has an inclusive leadership style and this isn't just something she's learned as CEO this was cited in an article in Industry Week magazine and, and they talk here about this is how she rose to the position that she's in um, and they say that anecdotal evidence provides a window into how inclusive leadership has helped her career and they name specifically collaboration an openness to a wide range of inputs predisposition to innovation and embracing technology to fuel innovation that's pretty much what i found out about her leadership style and clearly having worked her way up through the business she must have had some style about her to have made that progress from working in an assembly factory to becoming the CEO. That's fairly impressive. Yeah, and this is this is you know this is big business. There's uh, there's an article. There was there was a bit of a spat between her and the president of the United States via Twitter. He complained that GM were asking for top dollar for producing ventilators in the coronavirus pandemic, um, and saying that he he didn't you know he didn't think that that they should charge top whack. Anyway, it turns out that um, they've been they struck a deal and I think it was worth 490 million or something and they delivered, um, they started delivering ventilators. Um, so she must have been uh, involved in that negotiation. <laughs> so I would imagine that she knows her stuff and, um, you know, <laughs> and is willing to take on the president of the United States if, uh, if necessary. Yeah, interesting. And, and I think it is the fact that she just spent, she did her whole, she's done her whole career with one organisation with a very clear focus. Very few people do that now. Very few. Very few people that we've focused, have, uh, we've profiled have done that. Yeah, so that's Mary Barrett. Uh, I don't really know how I came across her. It was probably something to do with um, producing ventilators, but uh, an interesting story nonetheless uh, but I still can't quite make out the whole Disney thing <laughs> maybe that's for another time Heather well that's all we've got time for this week thank you for joining us and do tune in again next week for the business community on Calon FM You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.